the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 231 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio, but... On this year's podcast, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you listen to this, hopefully it's before the fight. And yes, as per usual, I am late. But uh, I'm going to make up for it with an expedited version of UFC 231 going down in Toronto Saturday. Possibly today if you're listening to this. But uh, I'm recording this for what it's worth post, about an hour post the weigh-ins. Everybody made weight. It was great. Um, I was going to record it the night before Thursday, but uh, as per usual, I fell asleep. And just usual story there. Uh, it's probably good because, as you can tell, you're getting a much more livelier Dan Tom and a much more informed Dan Tom because, you know, I'll be honest, it feels like a lot of worrying for nothing, especially now that Max Holloway uh, made weight and looked great from all accounts. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not going to lie, man. I was worried about it. It was uh, it was definitely an intangible Um I didn't make it a specific point of interest in my in-depth breakdown that I released earlier this week up now at MMAJunkie.com. But I did obviously, you know, mention it there because at the end of the day, we didn't get any confirmation. And it was scary uh, for people that don't, uh, you know, that that, that aren't even aware of these kind of things. It's scary. Uh, We didn't know what it was, which was scary. And you can, you know, have hyperbole whether Max Camp knows what it is or not. I, I'm i not even really going to put that tinfoil hat on. It's not really worth it. Uh, but for me, it was extra scary because for me, I, I, if I'm going to, you know, deny any information of what little information is out there or put any kind of a speculative hat on, it's that I did think it was concussion symptoms because, yes, yes, uh, old Dan Tom's real familiar with concussion symptoms, as as you well know. Um, and that, he looked like, uh, me, uh, not me, but, uh, it sounded like very similar things that I've seen and felt myself, I should say, um, post-concussion within the, within that window, uh, with, you know, within that, 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 uh, on-site incident to the, the three months spanning from the incident, that's when you get your first onset of symptoms, and then there's a reoccurring symptom thing that can come back later, uh, about three months from uh, incident. Your your symptoms can actually come back uh, worse than before, which is what happened to me. And I, there are times where I couldn't even drive; I was dizzy, it was just not making much sense, kind of just tired, slurring words, like uh, yeah, just literally. It was it scared me because it just like. You know, when you see something that makes you cringe because you're like, ah, that character is a little bit of myself in there, and I don't like that. You know, we all have that little bit of self-awareness, whether we like to believe it or not. Like, it triggered that in me. Like, it made me cringe because I was like, oh, man, it, just, it, it brought me back. So, 
Um, yeah, I was definitely worried about him. Um, at, at the same time, you know, I, I didn't notice anything this week. I did, you know, I know a lot of people were were, were con- concerned or you know tweeting out what they thought or this or that, and and it's funny because it's 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 <laughs> when you start, you know. You can conjure things that are that are there that maybe aren't there, and and it's and it's and it's funny. I think it was uh, who was it? Was it Paul Shagassi that tweeted something about you know, Max speaking pigeon and people not understanding? It. And it's hilarious, you know, as someone who's from Hawaii, uh, it's it's funny because yeah, I mean, uh, we we definitely have have have, have funny words for things, you know. Uh, so, so sometimes they're. Shared with like the British, like I think we both use uh, trash can, rubbish, rubbish can, right? Um, and there's other really random ones, like you know. Anyways, but yeah, uh, it, 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 it's 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 funny. Uh, everybody was, you know, as we do, we all do in the sport. Media fans, everybody gets a little too speculative. Uh, my worries were were genuine, but uh, but yeah, I don't believe I was overreaching. Uh, as uh, you will see when I get to breaking down that fight, I'm almost getting into breaking it down. Now, just a few notes off the top, because again, it's going to be an expedited version here. Uh, I'm going to spare you the recaps of Tough 28, Bellator, and UFC Adelaide. It's a fun weekend, though. Watched uh, boxing as well, some KSW. Like I don't know how I I made it through. I just watched fights all weekend, but um. That was fun. Of course, uh, you get my usually like my recaps or my feelings from these events uh, on MMA Junkie Radio, which we are uh, uh, on a little bit of a break. Uh, the guys are doing a uh, military trip. Goes and George are with uh, the homie is uh, Eric Nixick. Uh, they got a veterans tour. Uh, Randy Couture is out there with them. Uh, Chris Lytle, uh, Thug Jitsu, ah, Eve Edwards, one of my favorites. But yeah, they're doing the, the military trip, uh, so, uh, similar slash same ones are the ones that old Dan Tom did last year with them. And then uh, Dan Tom is actually, uh, I got plenty of vacation time stacked up, I didn't realize it. I'm always stressed out in tunnel vision and then I actually realize I have enough vacation time to cover. But uh, I'm only going to do a half vacation and you guys are thinking like, why Dan, don't do that New York thing to you. you take the vacation, enjoy yourself. But uh but no, I will be because as crazy and tunnel vision as it gets with the UFC schedule after UFC Hawaii next week, there will be a week break. But yes, UFC Hawaii is next week, and it was kind of serendipitous because, again, I was going to take some vacation time. My, my grandmother is, is getting old. Uh, she is old, let's be honest. So, but, uh, you know, the birthdays come fewer and far between, or, you know, however you want to word that correctly. I still didn't sleep that much, by the way. I just. Slept like a couple delirious hours because I, I knew I had to get this podcast done, so I couldn't get to the full REM sleep. And now I'm jittered up on coffee. I apologize, but yeah, I'm gonna go hang out with my grandma for her birthday on Tuesday. And uh, the cool thing is, I, as much as I love her and certain parts of my family, uh, I'll, I'll save you the 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 story of the weird <laughs> long uh, story of Dan Tom's family and all, all the lineage and all the. Uh, crazy stuff in between, but uh, yeah, let's just say it's a good excuse to uh, to have an event to cover that week because <laughs> because uh, I don't exactly uh, want to be around all of my family. You know, I love certain parts, but come on, guys, I'm sure sure, sure some of y'all feel me out there, right? And we, we all love family. We should all be grateful for friends and family, but some of them, you know, 
I'd love to. I'd love to go do that. But uh, you know, I gotta go. Gotta go cover this event over here. But no, no. Um, I'll be meeting uh, my compadres, John and Kenny. The MMA Roadshow, uh, part of MMA Junkie there, obviously. The the A-Team will be out there covering the... Uh, that's, no, that's no diss to anybody else. Everybody's an A-Team on Junkie. But yeah, the, you know, they're the road dogs. Everybody knows that. And, and they will be out there in Hawaii, uh, deservedly so. Uh, good for them. Be happy to meet them out there. Maybe uh, if they're lucky, I'll, I'll bring them some uh, some good food and some good grub. But uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I applied for a credential, an old Dan Thomas credential, uh go down to Bellator. I'm going to obviously be doing my normal analysis, even though there won't, there won't be a radio show. Like I said, uh, since I'll be in, in Hawaii, I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I apologize. The thoughts are jumping around, but I'm, I'm, I'm staying on target somewhat. Uh, George and Goes will be in, in New York taking some personal time, hanging out with, 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 with their madre and their, their, their papa, George Sr. Oh, that reminds me. I got to send, uh, I got to send George uh, a list of, uh, New York restaurants. Uh, out there, but yeah, uh, I'll be in Hawaii, so that's where MMA Junkie Radio will be. My normal analysis will still be out. Uh, I'll still be having like a breakdowns for UFC Milwaukee and a uh, co-main video breakdown for that. Um, I'm gonna have like three or four, uh, three like probably three written breakdowns, and like four video, four or five video breakdowns for. I have probably like four video breakdowns for Bellator, so there'll be a ton of content posted at MMA Junkie. Don't you worry. Uh, we'll still have that there, but uh, but yeah, I'll be um, I'll be gaining some experience and probably uh, writing a I don't want to say too much, but writing a nice post article, uh, a fun or I should say a fun post article, uh, depending on what comes out of uh, UFC Hawaii. Uh, so that's going to be really fun. I'm looking forward to that. You know, um, again, I know I can sound like a you know. A, a, complaining every week on here about the goddamn UFC schedule, but uh, man, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. I really have that complex, like most people, uh, uh, which is one of the only good signs, like most people I look up to where I almost feel like I, I don't deserve to be here, so I really want to make sure I earn it, you know, like uh, Matt Damon's character in Saber Prime, why did I earn it? Uh, so I, I really want to, you know, soak soak all this up, uh, you know, as, as, as much as I juggle enough plates and probably too much for my own health, something I'm working on, people. Um, I can't help but uh, take in experiences like these, especially when they work so serendipitously. And I have uh, such an awesome team around me at uh, MMA Junkie to, to facilitate and help and assist, assist me. So if you are out there at Bellator Hawaii, uh, uh, whether you're a fellow media member or a, a listener to this podcast, that's you, Martin Stabilo, uh, reach out. Let's go uh, grab a drink, grab some uh, some local food, brah. I'm going to go load up on zippies and... Some rainbows drive in, WM Burger, although I heard they changed it up a bit. But I'm freaking stoked. Okay, um, before we get to the breakdown, just two more notes off the top. Uh, this is gonna be real quick because I'm 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 not in a great position to talk about it. Um, nor is this the time to. And uh I, I do uh want to and I'll elaborate here. Uh, Greg Hardy Ostovich slash um Attacking, I wrote attacking the media, but I meant to write attacking each other because that's really what it is. It's not labeling red team or blue team. You know, I hate that bullshit. There's too much of that in this country and world already. Let's try to find some fucking middle ground. God forbid. Um, yeah, I don't like the, the Greg Hardy uh, Ossovich thing. I don't like the Greg Hardy thing from the start. Um, even when I had to do my grading the contender series, uh, I was fair to Hardy as a fighter. 
but by the same time gave no special treatment, no joy, and did not beat around the bush when addressing uh, who he is on paper, right? Because that's all I have to judge. I don't know any of these fighters that I'm breaking down. It's who they are on paper. That's a part of who he is on paper, whether he likes it or not, whether you like it or not. Um, and most of us are on the same side of that. Okay, I think we can all agree on that. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then um, props to Aaron. Uh, shouts to Aaron Bronstetter, by the way. Uh, great interview with uh, – and he's just, just been, been killing it in general if you've been following uh, Aaron. Aaron's work, uh, you know, follow me, Aaron Bronstetter MMA, I believe. Just type in Aaron Bronstetter. He'll pop up. And you should be aware of him now. Did a great interview with Dana White, of course, uh, the day after, where media was told just five minutes prior they couldn't uh, ask any questions. Uh, not specifically about, but made to feel that way, obviously, uh, if you read between the lines. Uh, you know, a definite PR move. Now we get into the, now it's where you get into the well. It's, you know, again, I think I'm no expert, but from common knowledge, all of us following, I think we've all kind of learned that is a no-no technically. By, te you know, technicality, promotions, PR cannot tell, uh, uh, cannot, uh, you know, b b by law tell journalists what, what to cover. And um, it's not journalism, technically, if you just go by, uh, which you have access to, and it's tough. And uh, now we're just seeing everybody, you know, jump at the MMA media because that's, that's the common thing. And it's tough because a lot of it, and you guys hear me on, on here, um, before I worked for the MMA media, or well, I guess I was, I was always working for some, some type of media, whether it's MMA Latest Flow or Junkie. But yeah, even before getting in, uh, you know, uh, all all levels of media, I've I've been consistent. You know, I've always called out media when it is, and and, and uh, cited what I don't like about the job and what I would like to see done better. Whether it's something I can do or would like to see done by my colleagues and the general population, and I try to be fair with that because it, it always takes two to tango, and I always bring that up. That yes, you know, you guys are right on this, but. Now that I am a part of the media, I'm able to see that other side of it where the sad part of like, you guys are the ones that dictate what we do. And it's sad and it's heartbreaking that I, you know, not to go back to the complaining, but what I complain about killing myself to get this content out and try to pay homage to the sport that I love, the, uh, the niche and passion and job that I'm lucky to have. And to the fighters who we are lucky enough to watch, that's why I break down these fights. It's sad that even though, thank you guys, by the way, for the ones you guys that share. Um, I, I try not to do too much self-promotional stuff, but I really appreciate it. And you guys that click, and especially, the, you know, that don't, you know, do that move where you tag the fighters or tag the promotion to be an asshole. You tag them and say, good job, great, great this or great article. Thank you guys a lot. Like, that seriously is voting with your fucking dollars. That's how you should vote. Uh, in life, right? Um, so, so thank you for that. But it, it, it's what I was saying is it's heartbreaking because I see the and I can't you know reveal obviously anything pinpoint, but I can tell you I do see the get the analytic reports. You know, um, you know sites like Junkie, and it's just overwhelmingly anytime uh, this or that or a, a, a drama TMZ stuff, not even like a matchup breaking news type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like those are the things that overwhelmingly just wash. Uh, me and other authors out of the standings with our, you know, uh, feature pieces or my analysis pieces or whatever. It, it's, that's how it is. And it, it, it's sad, you know, and then there's, you know, and, 
And then you guys wonder why, well, hey, Dan, you used to break down um, everything at one time with the betting, and then you broke it apart when it was at Junkie Well. Analytics demand that it wasn't doing that well when we had it all at once because I did. I, I was able to uh, bring my, my, my full model at first to Junkie. They, they, again, Junkie's been more than facilitating. They've been more than great as far as facilitating me and my work. Um, but it, it, the clicks speak for themselves, though, guys, and, and not just Junkie, all websites have to abide by that by a certain extent that's the state that's the unfortunate state of, of all types of media that's why hence clickbait media fake news, all these things have kind of been on the rise and there's no doubt about that I'm not, I'm not sitting here denying that but there is kind of a sad symbiotic truth to it that's what I'm saying and so with my work in particular just to kind of put relevance to it and we'll, we'll get on to these breakdowns I promise uh, before the 20 minute mark here um, that then you saw it was breaking up into pieces, and that, that that did help the digestibility. Although for hardcores of my work, or to be honest, purist and traditionalists and people who are old and curmudgeons like myself that just don't like change, I was like, eh, all right. But you know, it was lesser of evils. But even that, uh, you know, has dwindled. And, and and again, I can't give you guys too much specifics here, but but I feel this is fair and, and, and useful that you guys should know. For you being my audience, A, and it tying into the greater point of the topic that is overtaken um, the in-the-know, inside-baseball part of uh, MMA, fandom, fan space, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, with this Osevich Hardy and the media drawing a more ire, which is not a bad thing, but a more ire on the, in the MMA media. Um, and uh, anyways, but yeah, uh, and now you notice that now I only do main card breakdowns for pay-per-views. That's not by design, you know, uh, even though it helps me as far as lightening my kind of already unhealthily stacked uh, workload, which again, I do to my, I do to myself large in part. Um, it, it, you know, a lot of people were bummed out and I can, again, I can understand why I'm with you there. And then there's weeks like this where now this is the first, this is the first UFC pay-per-view where I don't have a main card breakdown. And that kind of ties into, I, I didn't want to. Pile on excuses as for why I'm late, but part of the reason, uh, again, got credential for UFC Hawaii, and uh, I told you there's a lot of analysis coming that way, but I'm going to have to get that in early, so some of these extra duties, and I'll, I'll, I'll spare you the behind-the-scenes minutia, but yeah, it got shifted over to my plate, so I wouldn't have had time to do my main card breakdown anyways, guys, to be honest. That's why it didn't happen, but again, when things get crowded, guess what's expendable? The, the work that got me here, the work that brings you here. That doesn't sound like it makes sense, right? But unfortunately, not, not you as in specific you, especially you listen to this. I love you listen to this, but the proverbial you does not click on not just mine, but I'm, I'm not trying to play my violin. I'm just using it as an example because you are here. This goes for, uh, you know... Uh, Fernando Pratchett's amazing uh, articles on, on on telling Brazilian fighter stories that we don't often get to hear. Uh, you know, uh, Trent Resmith, uh, Tom Rooney, a bunch of other people who contribute, uh, obviously. Um, and and then there's all the other sites and all this other great work that's good that goes out there. And and I'm sure they have their own stories, kind of of that too, to tell. So it's really it's really interesting. So um, I can tell you that. Without getting too specific, that behind the scenes, the discussions that I I was privy to, that I, I can tell you that everybody on an MMA junkie, whether it seemed like it was not, was on your side, folks. They they are not happy with the 
the Greg Hardy thing. They are not happy with the optics of it. They are not happy with uh, the directives that were given, nor with how everybody as a body had to react to it or the position it was put. But as it's been brought up, thankfully, by other colleagues, that a lot of people's thought and approach at this particular event and at many other events is that there will be better times to ask them the questions. The press conferences usually aren't the best times for that kind of stuff anyways. We've seen hot stuff, hot topic stuff come up, uh, and people try to sneak them into the press conferences, and usually they get – that's when you really just see you know Dana White has the horns out and does his best to make them look stupid. Usually, you know – it gets pretty vitriolic sometimes. So, um, yeah, it's not, not, not always the best time to ask those things. And, and there were uh, uh, so there were other times. Hence, Aaron Bronstetter uh, used a great time and, and, and was one of the f- uh, first people to get that out. Again, um, props to him. So, uh, uh, jumping, not saying that, you know, the media is not worth criticizing, but overhandedly jumping on, uh, on them is, is not only just... Not always fair in the specific instances that I'm trying to lay context for you now, but the more bigger point is that I'm not trying to sway you from any criticisms. Again, there's plenty of criticisms deserve every which way, especially toward the media. I'm not denying any of those. We all need to be better, right? But what I am trying to say is that, again, back to the red team versus blue team bullshit, you can, for the same criticisms, you can lob at the media for saying you guys are just eating the, happily eating the crumbs the UFC leaves you at the table. Well, who the fuck is scrapping for those crumbs? Who are we scrapping for those crumbs with? It's it's the media, it's it's it, it you know, it, it's it's the fans, the general population and the powers that be that we have to operate in and the system that we have to operate in. So we're kind of in this effed up middleman and it makes as as much as as right or justified as much as you might love the sport and right as justified as you may be or feel you may be, I don't know how productive it is that we tear each other apart over these proverbial crumbs, I guess is all I'm saying. I think a lot of us can agree that we don't like domestic violence. I think a lot of us can agree we don't like the optics. I think a lot of us can agree that this has been kind of an overall trend of just trying to piece cards together and the kind of lack of care, like any 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 company that expands, the less of the handmade care feels there. I think we can all agree on these things. Now, if we can have productive conversations to make it better, I'm all for that. Criticisms do come along with that, I understand. But but I'm just saying, let's just try to have think about some context and be a little bit more productive before we just fucking scrap each other apart. All right, 22 minutes over. Um, top five featherweight awards video just came out. Thank you guys for sharing and digging those. I, I appreciate that. Um, oh, I just saw my Twitter here. Hey, thanks for the share, Wes. Wesley Colvin from the MMA Analysis there gave that a share. Uh, more of those top fives coming your way. Uh, I have another one in the bank, and uh, they, those do well, thankfully. So, 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 thank you guys. Um, the video medium, we're definitely trying to move toward that as a whole junkie, if you've noticed. So, so, thank you guys for responding to all those product uh, projects in general. They do well, hence we will do more. That's how it works. Again, see, so the more positive context for something I just touched on. Uh, I'm going to also, uh, got another top five show as far as the protect your neck podcast or end up ones. I know you guys love those. It's so hard to do them this time of the year. Cause it's the, it's the most, uh, it's one of two UFC's hellacious stretches. So if you notice like last year, there's only like two after August done, which was sad, but I got a, uh, brand new guest who I won't reveal yet, but it's a, it's a man in the industry who y'all degenerates, um, uh, will appreciate uh, me getting on and, uh, some, uh, uh 
a gentleman that I, uh, I've been wanting to get on for a minute. So, And uh, we'll have some familiar faces back on soon, especially for a year-end show. We're actually uh, I'm stringing the guests together as we speak for that. And uh, I'm going to get suggestions. I know we did some kind of faux pas ones last year. I want to get some more uh, set-in-stone ones, but different, you know? Uh, we're going to call these the Neckies, all right? The Neckies. So if you guys have any suggestion for Neckies, uh, shoot them over to me at Dan Tom MMA at the PYM podcast or God forbid the hashtag protect your neck podcast uh, shouts and then we are going to the breakdowns I promise James Lynch's YouTube I'm going to probably be referencing it as I break down this card as as per usual very very, very crucial he's out there hustling doing awesome interviews awesome content uh, and doing a new twist on it again thinking of things to uh, be new, different, and be better. James Lynch is trying to be better. Support him. Reward him for that, please. Also, someone else who's trying to be, uh, always tries to be better and, and is awesome. Uh, again, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, you, you could throw that word competition out the, uh, out, out the window. Um, I just gave some love to, you know, flow. Well, I don't want to say flows James Lynch. James Lynch works for a bunch of people, but, uh, how about how about Submission Radio, man? Those guys kill it, you know. Um, they killed it at UFC Adelaide. They've been traveling around much more, which is good to see because I love their content. They do great interviews. They're great guys, too. Met them back at UFC 100. Dennis and Casper, um, as genuine as you'd see on, here on the podcast. I actually met them before I listened to their podcast, uh, believe it or not, and uh, or any of their interviews, I should say. And... Um, well, I subscribe to their podcast as well, and you should too, by the way. But uh, what I'm saying is, is, it was funny. It was because I was just like, oh, these guys are the same. When I went, when I finally did listen, I'm like, oh, these guys are the same guys that I met at the bar and chilled with. These these guys are very cool. So please check them out if somehow you're not already. And of course, to Dave Manley at MMA Bobblehead. Um, he hooked me up with a sweet Donald Cerrone Christmas ornament. This is the newest bobblehead, by the way, the Donald Cerrone one. Man, this dude. I always appreciate people with passion, and uh, this guy just has passion, and I could tell that he uh, puts himself in an unhealthy state uh, as much as I do, that he, he slaves so much into these things, and uh, the connections he makes are real because uh, the products are good, his connections are real with the fighters that, you know, he actually is, does connect with these fighters and uh, spend time with them, and and, and really uh, makes it a whole process. So please go check out his products if you're looking for like just uh, nice gestures for the MMA community. You know, uh, I you know I see a lot. I love seeing all you guys on Twitter. You know, be, as much as we we love to bust balls, which is all fine and dandy. I love seeing when you guys are actually friends and you guys link up for shows. That's the coolest thing. So if you ever want to, you know, give you know your friends a gift or something like that, like that's in the MMA community. They're not going to cost you an arm and a leg, and they're fucking awesome. So go check out uh, MMA Bobble. I think it's MMA Bobblehead.com. Just search MMA Bobblehead or follow at MMA Bobblehead uh, on those. All right, we're going to jump right into the breakdown here. All right, guys. Um, I'm going to pull up odds UFC 231. We're going to go, as per usual, from bottom to top. Um, I actually do have my playset, and I felt guilty for, like, I mean, I've been kind of tweeting haphazardly, not as, as religiously as I normally do for one, and for two, as I told you on the last one, I didn't have my playset. I kind of rushed into the breakdown, as I probably should have done last night with this one. Um, without my making my play, so I was kind of half-assed making them on the fly, and then ended up stringing together parlays later, which 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 cashed, which were, which were nice, but... 
It was a good weekend, but uh, I wasn't able to pay that for, forward too much. Um, I don't like really parlay, the parlays for this weekend. I don't like parlays any weekend, to be honest. Let's be honest. It's fucking MMA, for one. But this weekend especially is a lot of straight plays. Dogs and, and angles on chalk you can take, so I want more of that. But I did do some fun uh, some for fun parlays, and w- within that, for fun, I'll, I'll give you that if you want it. And uh, within that, more importantly, you can just kind of... Uh, scavenge the legs. Oh, I like that leg that I used. I don't like that one. Oh, I like that one, but it's over bet now. Oh, that's too chalky, Dan. Get the fuck out of here. So, however you will, I will give those to you in full. All right. I believe it starts on Fight Pass. I've been using that UFC.ca that I think all of us have, have found out, which is great. We can still access profiles for Meow, for now, but it doesn't exactly give us the uh, yeah, times. Looks like Alexander Aikik versus... Uh, um, Oh, no, I'm just going to go with what Dimes has listed, and we'll go from there. Uh, Chad LaPreece, minus 380. Diego Lima, plus 315. Um, taking LaPreece here. Yeah, he's coming off the knockout loss. But uh, Luke, I mean, Luke is the truth. One of the most underrated guys. And, God, another one of those guys is just getting swallowed um, with the schedule and and whatnot. Not really getting his due. But, anyways, another, another time. Diego Lima has only been really fighting once a year. I mean, I know he had the tough stint, and then just, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know what's going on with Diego Lima, man. And it's funny because, like, you go look at him and, like, Douglas, and it looks like he puts it looks like he puts so much effort, like, pre-fight, but then in the fight, you're like, what the hell, what, what happened to your lineage or certain skills you showed in past fights were they, like, it... Some things slowly, they slightly get better. Other things look like they degenerate on him. Like, it makes no sense. I'm not even talking about his chin, by the way. Like, I'm talking about actual like, skills. Like, some things look like they degenerate. I'm like, what is what is going on? But then, uh, al contraire to his brother, um, Diego Lima, who just stays in the home gym for the most part. Um, fuck it. Or Douglas Lima, who stays in the home gym. Diego's, like, actually, like, traveling around. And, uh, you know, he's, he's like, he's... he's He's down an American top team. Um, not that Douglas would never go down there before, but he's he's seemed to be more than happy with the affiliate. Um, training with good guys, and I just I don't I don't see it translate. And I know he had some some, you know, despite being TKO, we saw okay, well he, he suffers with uh, grinders as well as as well as hitters, and uh, that's what he's gonna have have here. I think Laprice is is smaller, but you know. Uh, he he can deal with taller guys who who strike, uh, um, as he did with Brian Camozzi. Uh, yeah. He uh, he does have the grinding sensibility where he will go and try to win rounds. Laprice will. I mean, he even wants to take down uh, Vincente Luque, um, and he did it the smart way too, mind you. He did it from a, a high posture body lock because he knew Vincente just is deadly from that front headlock, right? So. Um, whether you think that's smart, it at least shows the confidence. And for what it's worth, smart technique how he went about it. Maybe not smart that he went about it, but smart technique how he went about it. Uh, so, yeah, I like I like Laprice here. Um, I want to say he gets it done inside the distance, but, you know, I could see them fighting smart. Maybe him seeing that path. Uh, he just got knocked out, wants to get a win in front of Canada. Saw that Diego Lima just got grinded out, um, and maybe he just goes and, and does that there. You know, he can. So uh, yeah, uh, I, I, he's he's a, he's a parlay leg, and part of the aforementioned parlay that I hinted to. So I got Laprice there. All right, Brad Brad Katona, Brad Katona, oh, Brad Katona. 
Um, Plinus 185, Matthew Lopez plus 160. I guess Matthew Lo- this line was wider. And even Matthew, in other words, Katona, I believe, was a bigger favorite. Correct me if I'm wrong. And Lopez was a bigger dog, which surprises me because the number it's sitting at now surprises me. Um, I know Matthew Lopez is coming off two knockouts and Katona's undefeated and he's in Canada. But come on, man. I mean, uh, I'm not even going to talk about the SBG fade uh, because, you know, uh, I'm not even going to mention that, but just it, it, it's hard. Brad Katona, he, he's super well-rounded and solid. I really like his lovable, honest sensibilities. Another great interview there with uh, James Lynch, by the way. But it's, it, it, you know, I don't, I don't know how proven he is. Whereas Matthew Lopez, he got thrown into the fire, so it's deceptive. Uh, I've always been high on him because, again, I, I kind of see skills and... And can kind of see through a deceptively tough schedule. Um, now, is he going to come through the fire and, and become the next Max Holloway? No. But I really like this guy's set of skills now. He's, he's got knocked out twice, and two of them are from left, uh, left hooks. By the way, Diego Lima, I hope he's working on his counter left because Chad LaPree's only uh, two losses, uh, two knockouts, I should say. Or by counter left. So you could say two losses because that Pearson one, I think most of us scored that for the priest. Anyways, um, Lopez as well. I'm just getting young, dropped him that left, counter left. And uh, his last fight there, he got um, capped off. And, uh, you know, it was it was a stopping stand. Uh, yeah, a standing stoppage, but it, it got sparked off by a left hand initially was the shot that really hurt him. But Lopez looked like super gas. Like, I don't know what's going on with him. Like... I guess he just gasses and hits a wall because you know most of his his wins are in the first round, but I don't know. I just I think his wrestling is gonna be better, and uh, yeah, I gotta imagine it's like his freaking like fourth camp now at elevation. So I'm hoping his gas tank issues are addressed. Uh, not Trevor Smith. Uh, Trevor, fuck, Rosanami Yunus is Trevor Whitman. You know, it seems like fighters take a little bit longer to adjust to his style. Uh, the aforementioned Rose. So hopefully that is the case with um, with Matthew Lopez, uh, th- that we see him get better. I mean, he was doing good early on in these fights. You know, he almost finished Alejandro Perez, who just was just insane. Like, uh, it was just the, the most insane dude ever. Like, I don't... That the, the judge of scorecards knock him down deep submission where you're almost snapping his spine and you're under the neck like I don't get it you can't bet against Alejandro Perez I guess I don't <laughs> I'm so traumatized from that guy but yeah uh, and so is Matthew Lopez because he was like what the fuck like you just like hit a tank or hit hit a you know hit a wall but uh, if he can avoid that left hook Katona also has really nice leg kicks but I don't think. Uh, He's going to have a steady target between Matthew Lopez's shifting stance and movement. Matthew Lopez will be the better wrestler. And I believe the better grappler is just what's that gas tank um, going to be like if he can't finish Katona. Um, I picked Lopez as the dog here. I took a half a unit flyer, plus 160. Um, I don't recommend you, you you jump off that cliff with me. But uh, this could be easily a fight that you, you could be listed on the, uh, on the avoid. All right, next fight. Alexander Rakic, minus 600, and Devin Clark come back on him, plus 450 for the Brown Bear. My God, how fucked up was I at UFC 223? Every fight I go back to watch that's outside, like, 
three on the main card. That's outside of like Zabit, Bochniak, and like the top two fights. I fucking forgot. Like I had no memory of these fights, and uh, to go back and watch this fight with Mike Rodriguez, who when I saw that guy leg kicking him and um, giving him a hard time in certain areas, and really making him work hard for takedowns, I'm like, ooh, I think this, yeah, this ray kick's gonna be a, it's gonna be a toughie. I mean, you know, Brown Bear coming up from 185 essentially, where he's kind of flirted with both, and ray kick, I want to say he's coming down from heavyweight, and this fight's at 205. Um. Yeah, two oh five feels so alive, and he's six five, so he has another tall guy. He throws better leg kicks, except he can switch stances, so he's not gonna be such an obvious target or uh, easy to predict what he's targeting. Ray kick, and uh, Ray kick underrated wrestling too. You know, he shows, shows good position on top, uh, good takedown defense. King Mo, one of his main training partners. You know, uh, this guy first came on my radar because Junior Dos Santos. Uh, brought him in for some training camps, I think from Alistair Overeem onward. Uh, Dutch kickboxing guy. Uh, and again, translating that kind of Thai boxing base to wrestling, counter-wrestling, being on top, ground and pound. And it's serious, not just trying to look good with tattoos in his hair and muscles like... Uh, it's Austrian guy, sorry. Uh, hair and muscles. Um, like, you know, like he, he has goals to be a champion and, and, and set goals. And whether you believe he'll get there or not is... Does, is irrelevant. It's just, you like to hear those things. You like to hear guys taking it seriously. Uh, helps round out those check marks when you're trying to gauge a bet. Not that it makes it that hard to decide if you want to play them, given the overinflated line. That said, I played Rakic inside the distance, minus 145. My TKO was minus 140, but given what Devin Brown Bear uh, tapped to against Jan Blockowicz, I know Jan Blockowicz is a black belt, but the. <sighs> Where he couldn't just slide his shoulder and belly down, and, uh, you know, uh, elbow in and get himself out of the no hook, standing rear naked choke. Then yeah, I would not put it past Reykjavik to get a submission. So I played him inside the distance, and uh, I put two units on that at minus one forty five, as well as threw that in the aforementioned as a leg, uh, as a parlay leg, because uh, I, I think it's going to happen. Uh, Devin, Devin Clark was getting w- w- wobbled multiple times. One space was created against uh, Rodriguez, so I think Reykjavik cleans up. Gets back to his finishing ways. All right. Olivier Aubin-Mercier, favorite, minus 120. Gilbert Dohenio Burns, plus 100. Sorry about that. Um, uh, yeah, my worry is the same as Aubin-Mercier. is why I, I usually uh, don't... Bet or reserve to even pick Gilbert Burns because of his weight cuts because he always just looks freaking huge going into him. Like, you look at his Instagram, he just looks just like he's just enjoying, you know, he's enjoying his carbs a bit bit much there. And coming from a guy who enjoys his carbs a bit too much, so no hate there, Gilbert Dohino. But, uh, but yeah, you know, and he's paid the price, but, you know, listening to, thank you, James Lynch, listening to the interview with James Lynch, um, who asked him about his diet. It sounds, and although not drastic, it does look, at least in comparison to past, that he is keeping it to, you know, the 5 or 10 pounds under what he usually does. He's still cutting down from roughly 185, but better than 190 or 195, which he was rumored to be and looked to be uh, before. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that's a good sign. Um, 
he fell in love with the striking. It costed him. That was a worry for a lot of people for a while. So if you faded him on the last fight on that, that that's good for you. Uh, whereas Aubin Mercier, we all love him. I love him. But it's kind of that thing that happens. And something, I, again, I don't point to as an excuse for me and why my picks are fucking so shit these days, at least for my standards anyways. Um, but what happens when you're in the, in the media, you see with the media, where you get these these damn narratives kind of overtake, man. And uh, these guys get overinflated, the narrative, just because certain things, right? Certain things click. And that's the case with Oban Mercier, and that's why I took Alexander Hernandez. I believe I was the only one of the only people that took him on staff picks. I want to say like Ren Smith or someone else uh, took him. But uh, but yeah, yeah, and 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 I thought it was going to be inside the distance by a knockout, but you know he was able by the time you know OAM was gassing and whatnot, um, was able to take his back. Now it makes a little more sense not taking anything away from Alexander Hernandez, who I'm still high on, but. Listening again to James Lynch's interview with uh, Omar Mercier, you know, it was a real concern of him, and he didn't know why, and he went to the PI to try to address this, and so he's taking another stab at it here. Uh, he doesn't think it's the weight. He doesn't think he's too big. So we'll so we'll see. Both these guys really sound like, in other words, they focused on their diet and conditioning. So let's just say it comes down to skills. They're both really good at grappling. I think it's going to cancel out each other um, because even though... Alvin Mercier is a judo guy, which wrestling over judo generally, but Alvin Mercier has pretty good wrestling, hard to take down. He usually ends up top or can get on top if he's on bottom. Uh, and Dorino burns the same way. He can finish guys or sweep when he's on bottom, but his wrestling under you know Greg Jones and uh, that Florida time and you know getting better at his fundamentals in general you know being a teacher to not just students but other fighters uh, professional fighters Gilbert Burns you know he's just really solid when he goes there which was another uh, I believe a frustration by many why he was kind of falling in love with his hands but I don't know if it's that bad if he still falls in love with his hands I think he's the better grappler uh, he is on paper I think he is from an MMA sense. He's a little more pliable. I'll slightly give him the edge. I don't think he gets submitted unless he gets really hurt or really gassed or both. Um, and considering that Oban Mercier is worrying about gassing as, as well, then I, I don't worry about Burns, who I would worry about when a guy says he wants to go for the finish because I immediately go, well, what happens if you don't get the finish, bro? Because he says he wants to be the first person to finish OEM, which can be worrisome. But again, with the gas tank intangibles, it kind of cancels and evens them out here. So I'll take the better striker who I feel um, is Gilbert Burns. You know, he's got a, OEM's got a hard body kick, southpaw body kick, but a lot of guys have that southpaw body kick in the camp he comes from. So I'll take a, I'll take Gilbert Burns here. And I even actually played Burns. I, I, slapped, a, I slapped a unit on him at plus 100. Um, I was kind of surprised. I thought in, when, I, when I look back at that, I placed that a couple days ago. And then... Um, Thought maybe it was only half, you know, but yeah, I, th I threw a unit on there. Okay, whatever. Uh, I'm happy with it. All right, next fight. Eric Anders. Wow, he's back to plus 100. Okay. Uh, Elias Theodoro minus 120. I got scared away from this fight. I'll tell you straight up. Um, if you guys bet this fight, hats off to you. And, and I definitely am tempted now that I see Anders uh, back at dog money. I missed him initially. Um I saw him there, but I didn't get to my analysis. And you know me, I'm superstitious. I try not to look, and I definitely don't bet until I get my analysis done. Um, and uh, but I, just, I don't know. Maybe it's that kind of that like the Alejandro Perez thing. You just get burned by certain guys, and 
Their styles don't make sense, yet they win fights. They scare you the fuck away. Well, Elias Theodoro does that to me as well. Um, I get the criticisms that y'all have on him, uh, but the guy wins fights at the end of the day, man. And it's really, it's it. He it really frustrate. It can really frustrate dudes, you know. Um, that kind of fight was boring. Not ill-advised at times because there were times where he, he, he could have broken off. And I believe Elias's corner felt the same way. But being able just to grind like that with a guy like Trevor Smith, even Trevor Smith, the state he is, um, I that that was impressive, man, uh, that he didn't completely gas. I mean, he got tired at times. You're supposed to get tired. That's a fucking grueling-ass fight. So we know he can stay on his bike. We know he can counter. Um, he's... You know, made those improvements in the clinch as far as he can nullify, you know. Uh, granted, it was a different style of fighter, but if he had those skills, I believe he would have been able to null, uh, nullify uh, Thiago Santos better. That was earlier in his career for a guy who really hasn't been training that long. He's quick to remind you of that, but it's true. And I would argue one of the more impressive parts of Theodore's games, that he just he doesn't come from a martial arts background, hasn't been training long. So the fact that he's doing this shit is pretty insane. So he does deserve credit there. That said... Of course, I'm picking your boy Eric Anders. I'm a big fan of him. But, again, that overinflation thing uh, from the media, I would argue I've seen this one from the fans and even hardcores uh, as well. Because um, when I go back and look at Eric Anders with a critical eye, and it's a real easy yeah, guy coming off a loss. I'm not trying to be, you know. But when you actually go back and look at him, and now you keep on looking at the body of work, you know, I still want to see certain things answered. And it's not a crime that he hasn't answered those things. Again, Eric Anders very young in his career, too. Uh, which is what makes him even more impressive, and which is what we should be remembered uh, before anybody dare criticize that guy. But, but at the same time, you know, we got to be critical here, right? And um, I like the cage cutting he was doing against Thiago Santos, but he's going to kind of have to do it times ten against a guy like Elias Theodoro. Let, let's be honest here. Um, good news is, you know, Andrew sounded like he really worked on his cardio. Especially after his last outing, which again, that was like six or seven days notice, man. Um, so he said he wasn't coming off the couch for that, but we got to cut him a break for that. That was that was not he was not ready for that kind of a fight and just came out and balls out. Uh, and he made no excuses about it then or after. So so props to him. But but yeah, he, he sounds like he's focused on his cardio this time out because he knows who's what guys ahead of him. But yeah, I got to be looking at his cage cutting. Um, I've liked it before. He was following Machida a little too much. It improved from the Machida fight to the Santos fight. I expect it to improve here. He's traveling around. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to find a, the guy to, to, to fluster and move like, like a Theodoru. So I see this being gritty and close, man. I really do. I got scared away from this. Um, if I keep seeing dog money uh, stack on Anders, maybe I might like sprinkle a couple, couple bucks like Degenerate Dalabet. Uh, degenerate there, but but uh, nothing I can recommend here. Honestly, um, I stayed away. I just have a weird feeling about this fight. Um, yeah, All right, we'll leave it at that. All right, next fight: Caitlin Chukagian minus two ten. Come back on Jessica I plus one seventy five. Wow, uh, this one, this one, this one's. <sighs> This one's on my avoid list, aside from the fact that I will admit I, I'll come clean. I put the chalky ass minus five fifty fucking over, <laughs> and uh, in, in, in my big for fun parlay because I was just I was I was desperate for a, for a, for a 
chalky leg, and there's not a lot that I like as far as anything uh, parlay-wise in this card. But uh, but yeah, uh, again, the, 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 so for fun parlay, I'll give it at the end. It's nothing serious, but, but yeah. This otherwise is on the avoid list. And I'll tell you why. I'm a big fan of Chukagian. I've, I've bet her plenty of times before. She was one of those, like, Tisha Torres, like, just point fighter volume, uh, easy chalk if you're a degenerate that likes to try to bet female chalk, which is very dangerous, as we learned. We should know already at this point, I mean. But, uh, yeah. It's worked for me a lot this past month, but it also burned me, uh, burned me bad over in China. So, uh, not bad, but, you know, it killed a, killed a nice parlay. That could have been. Um, so you got to be careful on that shit. And, and maybe it's that, but no, um... I was just a little worried, you know. I mean, I know she's training with Frank Edgar and company and training with good people, but I, I, I'm not sure how much of the wrestling I'm seeing. Whether it's the Instagram, which you can't tell much from, obviously. More importantly, in the fights. Um, and the, even the pressure, the point fighting. Even her corner is like telling her to pressure more and go forward, and she's not listening to her corner a lot of the times. And uh, Chukagian I'm talking about. And uh, she has a stubbornness to her, and so does I. And we make fun of I's stubbornness, right? Easily. We can see why. But for all we make fun of I's stubbornness, guys, I I will say this. As all due respect, Jessica, as uh, how do I say it? Idiotic, uninformed. <laughs> God damn it, sorry. I'm trying to just use the best words I can here. As it can sound sometimes, let's be honest, guys. That stubbornness, that that blind self-belief she has, I dare say you need that if you're a Jessica I. You need that if you're, you know, coming off of four losses with no contest. Uh, the fans fucking poke fun at you. You're not getting love from the matchmakers. Yeah. You know what? You need stupid, self-blind, goddamn belief at that point. Jessica's got that, goddammit. Um, and she's turned a corner. You know, she's backed up her shit talk. That 125 is her division. You know, granted, Kalindraferia. Kalindraferia there. Uh, who, I believe, you know, it was a closely lined fight. I did pick I in that fight. I wasn't confident by any means. Uh, and, of course, it ended up being I's... Uh, newfound love for wrestling, I guess just being out-wrestled by all, you know, some of the best grapplers, right? Sarah McMahon, Misha Tate, uh, Juliana Pena, some of the biggest, most physical grapplers at 135 she got out-grappled by, but she didn't get submitted, which is interesting. So, you know, Chukagian, and I say that because Chukagian seems, with the wrestling, that, and she said, I don't care if I get taken down, oh, brown belt, jiu-jitsu, and Ricardo Almeida, and she does have a very active guard. And that was one of my things, like, ooh, I could see Jessica getting submitted. But Jessica only been submitted once, and that was Asling Daly early on in her career. And Asling Daly, say what you will, was a pioneer uh, who was, was more experienced than Jessica I at that time. Um, and Jessica hasn't been submitted since. I mean, look at who she was facing, Misha Tate. Um, you know, granted, she got uh, Misha early uh, with some shots, but, you know, dominant positions not being submitted there by Tate, Pena, McMahon. Uh... I think she'll be okay fighting inside of the guard. And, you know, when she has been inside of the guard of these fights, her hand position, her head position, her hip position looks good. I like what I see. She's hinting at, at wrestling more and more. She is really putting an emphasis on wrestling. 
And her boxing looks much more committed. Like, even when she was taking shots from Jessica Rose Clark, who hits like no chump, she kept her eyes open and was able to counter and stifle Rose Clark. Now, Rose Clark, not trying to make excuses for her or take away from Jessica I, especially when you see where I'm going for this, I'm definitely not trying to take away from Jessica I. But Jessica Rose Clark, I was on my junkie radio, and, you know, with the camp change and stuff that came out, uh, um, she, uh... Yeah, she was going through some personal issues with the camp that was bleed, you know, and, and and that was actually bleeding into that camp, uh, which is why she kind of didn't look herself in that fight. So I don't want to overinflate Jessica's performance here, but I don't want to take away from her either. I just want to lay some context there, okay? Um, so yeah, Jessica, I. So yeah, Jessica, I on on the feet wrestle as long as she can stay out of a submission. I think she can win this fight actually. Um. I'm picking her. I'm not playing her. That's why, again, this is on the avoid. The only thing I even touched was the over and, and some chalky for fuck around shit. I'm not saying you go play her, but I think this is just one of those cases where we're letting, uh, again, I, I keep referencing this. Uh, we overinflate people, whether it's the media, whether it's the fans, the pundits, everybody alike. That also works the other way. We can kind of over demonize people, you know? And uh, for us betters, it usually makes for dog money where it's not supposed to be, you know. Um, let's be honest, you know. Uh, <laughs> like a Colby Covington's a guy who probably should get more respect from the odds makers in public, but because he's Colby Covington, he's going to get bet down. Um, maybe be, be dogs in spots he's not supposed to be. So it's just one of those things. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually picking just guy. I'll go on the record there. I'm, I'll, I'll tweet it when it comes. Uh, but no, I, I ain't playing her. Even Maybe if it gets like plus 200, I'll, I'll put some degen sprinkle, but I ain't recommending you fucking touch that fight. All right, Claudia Gadelia, minus 335, Nina Ansaroff, plus 275. Um, a lot of people hit me up early on this, especially like Sportsbook Matt. We always chat with the guys from the Sportsbook over at Mandalay Bay. I'm always hanging out with them in the mornings. Shooting the shit. And uh, they were, you know, my guy really liked uh, this Gadelia line. A lot of people did. Heavy parlay piece, and I get it, but maybe. But I, I, I was kind of a, a little bit hesitant at first, and then ended up um, agreeing. I think I was just. It's not that I didn't agree in the first place. Again, I like to do my analysis first. You know me. I go through my whole meal and yada yada. But 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 it's the Gadelia gassing thing, man. You know, she seemed to fucking like hit a, to hit to, just to hit a wall. Now she got rocked in her last fight and. Was, went into that fight injured and got injured in the fight. So, I mean, there, there was a lot of shit that happened. So, it actually was pretty excusable. But, you do look at the fights previously, minus the one where she just choked out uh, Karolina Kovalkiewicz super fast, which could happen here, mind you. Um, yeah, yeah, she's kind of hit that wall, for sure. Um, I mean, that's why I, mean, that, that's why I picked, you know... Uh, I mean, this is something I spotted and kind of laid out all the way back, going back to if you read my breakdown prior to her second fight with Ioanni and Jacek. Uh, she was a popular pick, even though a dog. Uh, she was a popular dog. It was a close fight, I believe, uh, odds-wise on that one. Anyways, but uh, Ansaroff is weird because strange sample size, gets beat by a deceptively tough Justin Keish, doesn't get completely washed out. You know, it was a comeback fight coming back from knee injuries. That was kind of her get back on the horse fight. Then comes back and and puts together three, I believe. Um, sorry, pulling her up here. 
Yeah, Jocelyn Jones, Angela Hill, and then Randa Marcos, who she's, you know, Randa Marcos goes one for 11 takedowns, which is pretty good. Um, not that Randa Marcos is as good of a takedown uh, artist as Claudia Gadelia, but still impressive nonetheless. So she is improving. That's what makes me wor- worry. So she also has, you know, really strong counter hooks, head kicks, and Gadelia with her new style of Jimmy Gifford keeping her hands lower and got caught for it. Um, in, in her fight with Esparza. You know, that was for sure. That that that, that went a little harder to, to pawn off on the injuries and stuff, uh, granted. Not the same they don't play effect into her movement, but, but you know, uh, that's also the cost of a new, new style, transitioning to a new camp. Um, I expect her to be better this time around. She, from all accounts, it's to be training hard, extreme couture, PI, making the rounds. Uh... So yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, at the end of the day, if it gets if it gets sketchy, she shows she can get hurt, she can get hurt, be tired, still make the the end of the bell, still win the fight, even more often than not, minus the Andrade fight, uh, or obviously the NJJ fight. But um, so yeah, in a three round fight, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't blame anybody taking that as a parlay piece, and um, I did. I, I I did put her in a parlay, but a layered one, and I'll explain that later at the end. All right. Next fight, we're on the main card. Kicking off the main card, Tiago Santos, minus 190. Jimmy Manawa, plus 165. That's another one that kind of surprised me. I don't remember the line when they initially came out, but I want to say, I don't, I don't want to say that Santos wasn't the favorite. I want to say it was a little tighter. Either way, Kind of semi-surprising. Now, you are talking to the guy who, since I've been breaking down fights, so which goes dating back to, I believe, last... So officially making picks in public, I have picked against Jimmy Manawa every time, I believe, in his last five fights. Or four fights. Let's see here. Even Volkan Ozdemir, I picked uh, Volkan against him, which just surprised me at the time because Volkan didn't have much of a sample size. But Jimmy Manuel's always had just the weirdest sample sizes, victories, defeats, everything. It's hard to place. Now he's gotten older. Um, you know, we've seen him rocked and or stopped uh, in a lot of his fights recently. So it's it. it uh, I think that kind of weighs in. And we were so quick to write him off. Tiago Santos coming off a win. Uh, moving up in weight, uh, uh, you know, with those trends, quote unquote, holding a win over Anthony Smith, but we could be overinflating that. I mean, he only came in at two oh three, and now he's talking about, well, maybe I'm not done with one eighty five. Realizing, uh, maybe he's feeling the size, maybe he's, you know, uh, realizing the reality there. Uh, because if he came in at two oh three in his last fight, maybe he didn't have to cut any weight. He's just walking in because. I wanted to say he fought at 170, but I was corrected by it. Shout out to uh, at Mr. Honky, Lord Honky Humongous. Follow him on Twitter. I know I gave him a shout out last podcast. In case you, in case you forgot. Uh, he didn't, but still, he is, um, he's still within range to make 185. As much as I love Anthony Smith, uh, I don't know if that's the most you know accurate measuring point that he holds a victory over another 185er who's doing well at 205, which is a... A really, you know, talk about sketchy sample size. A sketchy sample size of Division 205. I mean, uh, we got to be careful what we're, where we're putting our chips here. Whereas Manawa, yeah, uh, I picked... 
I picked against him against Johnson. Um, I picked St. Prue, even though he won there. I picked Anderson, even though he proved me wrong there. I picked Ozdemir. I was right on that one. And then I picked Jan Blakowicz. And uh, that one played out very much to how I actually wrote the breakdown when I went back to read that. So that's always pleasant when I can go back and do that and go, hey, I'm not that much of a dumbass. All right. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> It's deceptive, you know. He did get rocked against Jan, but Jan is underrated. He was another guy that's been criminally underrated. You know what I'm saying? And Jan was, you know, may have been on some vitamins too that might not hurt. He's been looking really good. A resurgence as of late. All serious. There's no credit to Jan. Uh, I've been I've been giving him proper credit where it's due and picking him as well. So I don't think that's that as bad. And if you look at it, he did get rocked, but he was he was coming back. And, and at the end of the day, it was a stifling jab. So I was looking at Thiago Santos's jab. Tiago Santos's jab has actually gotten better. Um, he never really used it much, obviously, being a Capoeira guy, coming from Capoeira, and then going more toward Muay Thai. But he's been using it a lot more. Um, that said, I don't think it's the same level of, of a jab that... Uh, that uh, excuse me. Or not level, but the same style. That's the word I'm looking for. Same style, the disrupting style of the jab that, that Blockowicz was using. Um, he'll kind of throw it out there as a check, but really kind of overextend. But then he'll immediately overextend himself on like a check hook. And that kind of throws himself out of position. And that's where Branch was able to land the right hand over the top. And you really look at it like boxing style as guys kind of have given him that, that, that trouble. Like Tiago Santos, like he's gotten a little bit better at the jabs. Footwork's gotten a little bit better. Uh, the way he hides his kicks is all a little bit better. Um, you know, the way he throws combination, like, even though they look wild and loopy and he's definitely open for counters, that combination that he iced Jack Hermanson with is that left uppercut. It looks really wild and ugly, and it wasn't as nice as Jan's lead left uppercut, but that was the same shot that Jan was tagging Manoa with over and over again, and Santos, when feeling in stride, will throw that. That's definitely worth watching out for. But when he's not feeling in stride, which is most 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 occasions inside boxing range, he feels in stride when kicking and throwing and slinging and those things and throwing backwards and throwing forward and throwing in space. But when you force and and pressure into a boxing exchange, he kind of has this like twitch reaction. You kind of see him like tense. He's like, and he throws. He's and that's when he overextends with his check. He's like, and he gets hit in the head. And it happened. The same thing happened with Jack Marshman. And I remember I wasn't. Uh, the only one I think there are a bunch of people I respect that were on Jack, Jack Marshman in that fight uh, back in February 2017 and uh, even though Marshman lost he showed why a lot of us picked him because in that first round he dropped Santos had him against the fence with that boxing pressure we saw him he made him uncomfortable in that space so I've always tend to pick more boxing guys win or lose I've always tend to pick those guys to beat uh, Santos I picked Santos to beat Holland I picked him to beat Anthony Smith kickboxers uh, I picked Hernanson to beat him, though Hermanson uh, kind of shifted the bet on that one and admitted so later. But yeah, uh, we see it. You know, uh, Musasi, obviously, Musasi was at another level, probably was going to win anyways. But guys who can box and that boxing reigns in pressure, I think if Santos problems, and that's what Manawa does. Now, Manawa, hopefully, he's focused back on his striking. I think with training with All Star, it's good that you see that he's been training there consistently. But it almost feels like he's worked too much on his wrestling, which has gotten better. you got to give Manawa credit there. When he's getting taken down, 
Uh, that's another thing. Uh, Thiago Santos has improved that part of his game, but I don't think he's going to be able to mix that in on Manoa. Manoa has actually gotten, to his credit, that's that's the one thing he's gotten really good at. Um, not really good, but much better at is we see measurable efforts and not just defending takedowns, like sweeping, scrambling, working from bottom, using the fence, like all the layers of takedown defense. He's shown improvements in every one. Manawa needs to get credit there. The problem, perhaps, in my perception of the problem, that is when he's forgetting about his own jab in the yawn fight and other, you know, perceived holes, you could be critical of him. Uh, that tends to happen, I think, when someone's focusing so much on wrestling, but... Uh, and he's got an Alexander Gustafson in camp. He's got all these guys in camp with him. Uh, I think he knows he knows how important this fight is. His back's against the wall. I think we got that classic veteran fight here. Even if you're picking Santos, I don't know how you feel. Can look me in the eye and say you feel comfortable playing him at uh, minus one ninety. Um, so not that I'm I'm telling you to run out and bet it, but Mana was my pick, and I bet him one unit minus uh, plus one sixty five. All right. Next fight. No, oh, jeez. It expired on me. Sorry. Pulling it up, pulling it up. Do, 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 do. Mean Akeem Duwadu, minus 170. Kyle Bakniak, plus 150. Man, I wanted to have the balls to pick Bakniak here. And I'm going to, maybe I'll regret it if I don't. Um, I don't blame anybody for picking him. This is all my fights to avoid for that reason. I, I stayed away from Duwadu. This is another one where it's like, I get if you're picking Duodu. I'm picking Duodu, but as a dog or pass for me all day. You know, what happens? Well, you know, again, usually I'm on the other other side of the athletic, super athletic knockout guy. And, you know, the durable, gritty, <laughs> goofy-looking white dude who, what happens when you can't finish that guy? I love those dudes. It's like, it's like Brian Barberina, right? He's half Colombiana, but you know what I'm saying. doesn't matter. It doesn't, be, it doesn't have to be a race thing. It's more of a fighter profile thing. You know what I'm saying here. But yeah, uh, so but no, no, I, I like Duwodu here. I think he showed some underrated skills, uh, even going back to the WSOF. Um, you know, against underrated guys like Steven Siler, who will make you pay with submissions and just the way he plays on top. I honestly just think he got caught by a guy like Danny Henry, who, to his credit, was underrated. Not trying to say that he wasn't. Uh, he definitely uh, proved people wrong and should not should not get any credit taken away, uh, credit given to him for that win. But on the other side, it was also, I believe, it was, it was very much of a prospect loss for Duwodu. Um, so as Duoda does, as long as he doesn't get dumb here, he should be all right. But I could see him getting hurt with another right hand because, you know, even Austin Arnett, when it was there, the right hands were the, uh, no, was it Austin Arnett? Jesus Christ. The last opponent I believe he scouted was, was, he thought right hands were there as well. Let me pull that up. God damn it. What was it him? Yeah, it was Austin Arnett. But Austin Arnett was like gun shy in his own head, and again, you know, perhaps not the best uh, fight shot in the world. But you know, he 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 was able to find his right hands when he was committing it, committing uh, committing to them. And Kyle Bocking, like that's his shot. He can hit it coming forward. He can hit it off the counter. Uh, we've seen him be wild in the Zabit fight. We've also seen him, you know, do that countering game. Uh, whether you whether or not you thought he won against. Uh, uh, what's the Peruvian guy? Enrique Barzola. Uh, he's shown he can do those kind of game plans where he can counter off the back foot. Um, he's improved his wrestling by how much? I don't know. I think it's going to be a wash, to be honest. Uh, I think both these guys can take the other down if they look for it and do it at the right opportunities. I just don't know how much they're going to be able to get done. 
given uh, the skill set and, and, and the fact that these guys will scramble to their feet. They are very scrambly, to their credit. So, I don't see submissions or grappling being too much of a factor. But, Bokniak, man, he's got that smart feet, smart fighter, Peter Welsh, who's calling for the L-steps all the time to set up the right hands, dude. You know? And uh, I, I see those being super alive here, man. Like, I, I, I feel like I'm kicking myself for not picking Kyle Bokniak. Um... Especially because it could have, you know, it would have been one of those things to put me uh, as a as a contrarian for the picks. But again, I don't. As, even though I keep bringing up that 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 that, that, that bla- the blasphemous contest, I, again, I honestly don't. I don't. I don't pick uh, according to that that thing, man. I'm not a. I can't pick to be contrarian, guys. You know, you, the one thing you're gonna get with me, whether I'm right or wrong, you're gonna get my honest takes, and I always go by the analysis. I, I stick to it. Uh, not trying to pull fast ones here. This is just just my opinions. And that's my opinion. Um, I'm slightly leaning toward Dewodu, but man, Bokniak's live as dogger pass for me. All right, next fight, Gunnar Nelson minus 145. Comeback on Alex Oliveira plus 125. Um, oh, it's another one where I feel like I'm be kicking myself in the butt. I love Howboy Oliveira, um, but I don't know. How comfortable I feel picking against um, Gunnar Nelson looking all, all, all jacked up. Uh, you know, truth be told, he's, he started lifting weights. And, you know, hey, truth be told, he actually never did strength and conditioning before. So hats off to him. Um, he's going to need that strength because Alex Oliveira is a underrated. Um, not underrated. He's strong. Everybody knows he's strong on the clinch. But... Uh, He's, his strength is he's stronger than he looks. He looks wiry, but he's really strong, even for welterweight. That said, even though Gunnar Nelson could be an arguable guy, they want to see him fit lightweight. You know, he's another one of those 165 guys. Um, he's deceptively strong, too. He's got that man grappling strength and grappling freaking heavyweights for them, you know, uh, or guys heavier than him most of his life. Um, you know, but uh, that's what it's going to come down to. Is essentially, it, this one is. Is uh, for me it's dog or pass, but I actually played um that this fight. I, I threw a, in one of a part one of my layer parlays. I threw that it won't won't go the distance because I feel like it's either knockout for Cowboy Oliveira, who's either going to counter Gunnar Nelson on the way in. That's his best shot. Um, Cowboy has got you know moves around on the feet, but. Unfortunately for him, so does Gunner. But Gunner, I would argue, plays range a little better. That said, Gunner is still open for counters, strikes off the break. That's where Alex Oliveira is going to be live in this fight. All of the Pietro Hallman or uh, Ryan LaFlair. Like, that's how I could see him getting the finish. He will be harder for Gunner to take down than he thinks. Um, but Gunner, who usually to be clinch dependent, has improved his wrestling. Who knows? You know, that's one of the things. Always coming off a layoff, but in that layoff, has he improved it more? Uh, I know it looks like he's been working with a lot of uh, uh, some wrestlers in his camp that I haven't seen in prior ones. We'll see. Um, and you know, like in the Zach Cummings fight, guys that were too big and too strong, like he even admitted, he's like that can get that guy down. It was tough 
he, he finds other ways. Like, he, he grabbed the front headlock and then used that for a snap down and then transferred that into a takedown. You know what I'm saying? So he has multiple ways to get it to the uh, floor. And more importantly, even though we've seen Alex Oliveira be hard to take down and improve his takedown defense, when he does end up on the ground, it's usually because of some type of spastic move. If he doesn't give up the takedown, it's because of some spastic move on his part that gets him in trouble. His own scrambles kind of tend to get him in trouble. And when he does get on the ground, we see him go from like a level 7.5 to 8 out of 10 takedown defense competent grappler. His grappling as far as like counter grappling in the clinch is like 7.5 to 8 out of 10, I should say. But he goes to like 2.5 to 3 out of 10 when he gets on his back. Like he goes to a fucking white belt. It is insane. He has no underhook or hip fundamentals, barely. Uh, he just tries to explode out of everything and then ends up giving his back, which he should have ought to know better because he's actually a decent backdaker himself, Alex Cowboy Oliveira. But against Gunnar Nelson, that's like the perfect guy. I mean, he knows what to do. He lets guys explode and takes their back all day. Oh, that's Gunnar Nelson. So if, if Gunnar Nelson does get him to the ground, it is game over. It is game over in my opinion. And because of that, because I just could not get my head around that, I think that's why I couldn't pull the trigger on Cowboy Oliveira. Uh, but I'm not playing Gunnar Nelson. So if you're playing Cowboy Oliveira, I don't blame you. Good luck to you. The only um, leg I took in this fight was that it won't go the distance, like minus 280 or some shit as a parlay leg. That was it. I, I stayed away otherwise. It's uh, on the avoid list. With uh, Bakniak Dewodu and Anders Theodore to round out the avoid list there, which I'll recap this at the end. And again, I timestamp everything, guys. Again, so please pay attention to those timestamps for episodes like this, especially where I'm, I'm, I'm giving you guys a short window to listen. I apologize. Thank you. You guys are savages. Sorry again. Um, should have an earlier breakdown though next week on site uh, on site from Hawaii. I'll do it from my grandma's house too, the original bookie. That's right, grandma bookie. That's right. I, I will save you that story later. It's a very interesting one, folks. Um, the old humble beginnings of Dan Tom. All right. Um, all right. Next fight. Co-main event time. Valentina Shevchenko minus three thirty-five. Yoanni and Jacek plus two seventy-five. A very interesting fight. Uh, I had the in-depth one up on this uh, up on Junkie. Um, which was labeled volume versus precision, which is kind of a, a broad, a, a real broad strokes way. Obviously, it's much more technical than that. It's going to come down to the clinch as well. Um, interesting to see grappling. Shevchenko, for better or worse, commits to it. But, you know, if she uses the... I'm glad she got away from the head and arm throws. Granted, it was against Priscilla Cachoeira, but just the fact that she adjusted and, and she had that adjustment, that Irish, you know, almost that, like, Irish collar over the back of the head looked like she was going to like parlay that into a head and arm throw and then does an inside trip. Very smart. Uh, her inside trips are her bread and butter. You can go back to Muay Thai, her, her outside trips and just trip game in general. It's just money. It's so beautiful. She should do it more. So she could do that here, but Jacek's so good at getting up. Uh, I don't know how the weight will transfer in that way. I do believe the weight will transfer, though, as far as striking. Um... Yes, I'm hoping Yuan Injects is going to be able to take shots better, but let's be honest, guys. The trend has been there for some time that she's been taking damage, uh, kind of like a, a George St. Pierre, how I kind of related to. She's great controlling these fights. Because of these fights and the length that she was going, she, uh, 
you know, in her career, it just seems like she, she's just taking damage, and the weight cuts certainly weren't helping. Um, so hopefully she's more durable here. That being said, it's not just a 135-er, like, coming down to 125. Like, Shevchenko hits hard for a 135-er, even though she's a natural 125. Like, you listen to her and Antonina just do drills together, and I know I've said this at nauseum in this podcast before, but you can just hear the thud. Like, it's fucking legit. Like, like just they're practicing drills. Like, like it hurts listening to you. Like, most girls don't hit that hard. Shevchenko has a bone structure about her, in case you don't notice. You know, that... <laughs> you know, that... <laughs> there's support to that booty. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> She's got a bone structure about her in a good way. Multiple good ways. Um, and that translates to the hitting power, guys. Um, she can hit. And I think those counters are going to be just way too damn potent. That's the one thing about Yen Jacek's game, you know. She... This is a great jab, but her jab makes her vulnerable and to shots. I don't know if she's going to be jabbing that much of the southpaw stance. So between the southpaw stance and her lines being off to the counters that are going to be potent. We were, mind you, we haven't seen much of Janjic uh, against southpaws. You know, the, the leg kicks aren't going to be there as per normal. And yeah, oh, well, she can go to the inside. And we've seen some uh, fight, uh, fighters celebrate that. And be able to do good, but usually it's the southpaw fighter celebrating that, a la like a Rafael dos Anjos, Rob Emerson. Sorry to put a really dated reference out there, but it's usually the southpaw that's taking advantage of that open stance shot. And still, regardless of which stance is taking advantage of that open stance shot, yeah, there's more power, but with more power comes what? More availability to counter. We're just talking about the Tiago Santos is the way he throws his check hook, I should say, not the check hook itself. It's a beautiful shot, but the way he throws his. It's powerful, and you know, and you, you the more, the more, ah, the more uh, openness you have coming back to you. So that uh, that goes for uh, that goes for that goes for uh, Jacek and the reaching that she may have to do. Um, that being said, if Valentina isn't able to sting those shots, if she's overconfident, and if she these are three ifs I'm stringing together, but there are things that we've seen happen. In MMA slash, if not by her herself, falls into activity lulls. That could be problematic. She can make this fight a lot closer than it needs to be if she can't get a takedown or hold her down. And we see Yen Jacek stack up volume. She looks healthier, but you know uh, we had a, a Valerie Letrano who has looked sounded like she, she used to sound like quote uh, Jordan Killian, who will be be back on this podcast soon. Uh, Canadian ice queen, right? She just came off like a B-I-T-C-A. Sometimes. No, no, I love Valerie. But, you know, uh, she came off that way. No, she's the sweetest girl. She just moved to 125. Interviewing her in person when she came to the studio, talking to her on the phone. Valerie is a sweetheart, man. Um, and uh, she's, just, she's just completely changed now. That She's up at 125. And she said the same thing about Yen Jacek. She says, she, I mean, this is a girl. She's, she's fought Yen Jacek, went five rounds with her, trains with her since. At when Jen Jacek was at 115, now train with her when she's at 125, returning to 125, mind you, where Jen Jacek used to fight at, and saying she feels stronger and this and that, and and maybe that does translate. Maybe that Jen's pulver, you know, a commentary that won me over, that you know, where she won Jen's pulver over. If you listen to the way he was commentating her fight against Rosie Sexton and Cage Warriors before she came over to the UFC, maybe we see that Joanna Jen Jacek, but. That Valentina Shevchenko is my favorite female fighter and one of my favorite fighters uh, for a reason. I know that sounds asinine to some people with some of her fights, but I, I love her style. Um, as asinine as that might sound to some people, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, 
So yeah, sprinkle some of that here. That, that said, I, I feel like I'm I'm actually um, not being like pet the house size difference all day. Uh, so even though I want to say temper my bias into this, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job of it. I don't feel like I'm saying but the house. That said, I did throw Shevchenko in a parlay, but I threw in the layered version, the bigger version, believe it or not. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll recap there. That there. Um, at the end. Well, I guess I can do it now. I did a... Oh, I didn't even do Fajeda Nelson. Sorry, guys. Uh, I, shit, sorry. I totally skipped that fight. Um, this is the last-minute replacement. Uh, Nelson's 2-1. and one. Hasn't really fought too many people. Comes from the Muskoka kickboxing. I uh, can't really find much on him. Um, but Fajeda, an incredibly underrated guy. Um, minus 500 probably will get uh, inflated higher than that. I did see minus 140 inside the distance, though. So I, I, I took that. I uh, threw that in a leg. So I threw... Red kick Fajeda inside the distance. Santos Manawa won't see round three. <laughs> I drew kick in over. And Laprice in a five leg. Uh, also did a layered version with uh, Gedalia and Valentina. Minus 340, minus 333 were the odds on those girls. Um, the five leg, though, that I, I laid before them was uh, just, just, you know, I just uh, threw. Th- through a through a half unit for plus four ninety five just to fuck around there again. Yeah, I'm not telling you to parlay anything on this fucking card, but uh, those are the legs that I was kind of toying with. I'll just say that, and I just did a uh, two parlays with those, a five and a seven. Um, I'll, I'll go recap it at the end there, uh, but let's let's get to uh, the main event here. Um, all right, Brian Ortega, the favorite, minus one twenty five, Max Holloway. Underdog, plus 105. Saw him go to dog odds just after the weigh-ins, too, which was crazy. So, uh, let's waste no time. Let's get on here and break it down. Got the in-depth breakdown up on MMA Junkie, of of course. This is just an interesting fight, man. I mean, kind of like I said, a, a battle of builders, but in different, in, in, in different ways. Uh, you know, hallway who builds off success, whereas Ortega builds off failures. Uh, and that both can be said, said about both. That, that, that's just perspective, you know. Um, Holloway kind of builds off failures, too, if you think about it. When you look at the you know, Ricardo Lamas fight, he gets hit by a bunch of leg kicks at first. But then he starts checking it. Then he starts evading it. Or then he starts evading him. Then he starts checking him and countering him. He, he goes in layers. And he builds throughout the fight and just builds off your offense and incorporates it into his own. And Ortega kind of doing similar things. You know, you saw him doing those elbows and counters and looking for those things before he hit, before he actually hit Edgar with it. And uh, by the way, thank you guys for checking out or giving that article love again. I know I gave it another pass and pumped it out some more this 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 month with uh, the fight coming up. But that Brian Ortega Babe Ruth article was just kind of crazy. The comparisons between them. They even have the same striking percentage. <laughs> at least for right now, 32%, which was uh, the amount of times Babe Ruth connected to his target as well as Ortega connected to his, um, which is a lower percentage, but they made them count. And it's really weird. Despite their statistics around them, they made them count. And not just for the striking. You know, Ortega is currently on the wrong end of a 6-1 to control time ratio as far as grappling control time, yet he's submitting guys that only you're getting better and better and higher ranked. It's insane. So as much as this could look like a revisionist history, like why did we bet against Max Holloway? The reason why I think 
I, and perhaps many, I can't speculate speculate for you or the others, but I think perhaps many are worried. It's because let's be honest here, guys. Not only is this MMA where anything can happen, Brian Ortega, uh, hence the, the, the numbers that I just threw at you, he defies fucking logic. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You can argue, uh, I don't know if it's 12 or the 16 rounds completed, uh, that you could argue that he's lost them all. The uh, majority of the judges think that he, he lost the rounds that were completed. Now, the rounds where he got finishes, different story. Um, so it's real interesting, man. It's just, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, what sold it for me was, one was I thought that Holloway, I thought that first Swanson was going to be the one to kind of take advantage of throwing more jabs and body shots, but Swanson, a little wild, kind of get lost in the fight as he can do for better or worse. This time it was for worse and we saw what happened. Amazing guillotine submission. But he was tagging and showing that the, the, the paths, what were there? He just kind of got lost in the minutiae, right? So I said, you know what? Edgar's going to get him. Edgar knows how to go to the body. Edgar knows how to throw jabs. Let, let, let's see. Edgar knows, knows footwork. And then, of course, we see what happened. We just, I don't, you know, again, it was, I don't want to say it was, was fluke. I think this is just, just where Ortega's excelling, you know. Ortega originally got into kickboxing. That's where he started, guys. Just like Ruth. Ruth wasn't a... Ruth wasn't a batter, guys. Ruth started off as a pitcher, became known as a batter. Uh, Ortega uh, started off as a kickboxing, as a young kid. This is what his dad got him into at first. Jiu-jitsu was, was happenstance because he, he, he happened to run into it, literally living down the street from the Gracie Torrance Academy. That was a complete happenstance. Um, started off kickboxing. So I don't want to take anything away from Ortega there. He doesn't get enough credit in that. Maybe now he does, but, you know, prior. Okay, so he gets, he gets, he gets Edgar. Hey, hell, perhaps it was overdue. Maybe Edgar got... Which, you know, word on the street is, you know, his, his orbital knockout was from Zabit Namagomed Sharapov, and he could have also been uh, rocked in camp by Zabit as well, too. Zabit knocked, has knocked down a quite a few dudes who, uh, in that camp, word on the street. Um, and that may or may not have played in those dudes' fight if you really connect the dots. Anyways, um, yeah, so it, and either way, regardless, he gets the win there. But man, okay, if, if someone is going to be footwork, straight punches, Body work, discipline, provenness, uh, can build off of offense, veteran savvy. Fuck, that's Max Holloway in spades, man. That is Max Holloway in spades. We can even start taking guys from 155, and I would still put Max Holloway in the top three stylistic worst matchups for Brian Ortega. And what really sells me is, well, what about the grappling? What about the clinches? You know, Brian Ortega is just a, a head pull, a snap down away from grabbing a neck down. That is very true. He's a guard pull away, Dan. That is very true. But Max Holloway is very underrated in these areas. He doesn't get to show him very much. But what he does show, good takedown defense, obviously, uh, through the Ricardo Lamas fight. But as far as the protecting your neck part, that's not what worries me. I'm not worried about Ortega's shots against the fence or in the open. I think Max can defend those. I think even the detractors or the Warriors can agree with that part of it. But it's the clinch. It's the snap downs, right? It's the scrambles. And what sold me is, and I write about this in the breakdown, you go all the way back to his fight with Dennis Bermudez, you know, controversial loss. He shouldn't have lost that fight. Should be 29-28 Holloway first two rounds. Um, but what I liked about it was 
Whenever Bermudez, the few times Bermudez was able to get him down, Holloway defended most of the takedowns there. Holloway has shown good takedown defense early on. But what I loved was that he was hand fighting since early on when he did get takedown. He immediately fought for wrist control because if you grab a wrist, you have a hard time being choked with one hand. So if I go two on one on a wrist to stand, doesn't matter what their position is, it's going to be hard for them to physically choke me or get to a position to choke me. In fact, if you go two-on-one or even one-on-one if someone's on side control and you're on bottom and you do a cross wrist, which is if they're on side control, you are reaching across your body, which means you're reaching toward the side that they're on, toward the side where the person on top of you, toward where their legs are. You're reaching toward their side, grabbing their far side wrist with your far side wrist, grabbing, uh, and once you have that wrist, you can actually have enough contact to turtle up and stand and get up because, again, if you isolate a wrist, not only do you just diminish your choking percentage by literally like 98.5%, you also, I would argue, about 65 in the neighborhood of 65%, you limit their control. And if you can't control someone over 50%, you're gonna have some, you're gonna have trouble holding them in that position. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking it down to just basic percentages here. So in other words, if you can't secure that magical underhook that. Uh, Dominic Cruz always talks about um, you're going to have a hard time holding that position. And if you're going to have a hard time securing that underhook if someone has risk control. Sorry, I was a really disjointed, long-winded way. But Max Holloway shows he understands this. More importantly, when he was using risk control even early on in his career to stand against really good wrestler uh, like Bermudez, um, you would see Max constantly when he would lose contact briefly and, and Bermudez would fight his wrist away. Smartly, Max would immediately use that space to stand while, and you you will actually see his hands like phantom grab his neck, like grabbing a hand, uh, grabbing, grabbing hands that aren't there. Now that's a good thing. I like seeing that. That shows me that he's aware that oh crap. And, and again, what do I say? What are, what are you exposed to every time you turtle? You're uh, you're supposed to get your back taken, obviously, but you're also exposed to a front headlock position, which is. Way more, which is where Ortega makes his money. So the fact that Max Holloway has shown that awareness since like five fucking years ago, it's a pretty damn good sign. I gotta imagine it's only gotten better since then. Does that mean Ortega can't submit him? Absolutely not. Absolutely Ortega could. But with these things in mind, and also keep in mind the one, the one strength that I think we can all agree on that Max has is a guillotine choke. And what do I always say? If you're good at a triangle choke, if you're good at a guillotine choke, if you have a good, good if you're good at a triangle choke, you probably have good triangle defense. If you're good at a guillotine choke, you probably have good guillotine defense. And that's something that across the board is for the most part true. Does that mean it's going to get you out of every guillotine or every triangle? No, of course not. But I like to think it stacks it in your favor when we're trying to play this game like we do here on this podcast, trying to figure out what the fuck's going to happen. So, rounding that out, I can't think of anybody on paper that has a better shot at taking Brian Ortega's O. So if I don't pick Max Holloway to beat him here, for me, that's essentially saying, well, then Brian Ortega is going to beat everybody and just be the best guy ever. Now, that could be. Fuck, he could be on the way there. and I could be eating these words, folks. But I'm not ready to make that jump yet. I don't think we've seen enough of Brian Ortega to make that jump. Um, as much as I love... 
a clutch player like anybody else. You know, he is MMA's clutch player. That's what he is. He is Reggie Miller against the fucking New York Knicks in the ninety and the nineteen ninety five Eastern Conference Finals, guys. I mean, that is Brian Ortega. We, we were always gonna love a clutch player, but uh, he's got to prove he's a little bit more than that against Max Holloway to me. I think you got to be a little bit more than a clutch player to beat a guy like Max Holloway. So. With it initially being on the avoid list, but after seeing Max make weight, fine, and seeing him drop to dog money, I didn't take him at plus one hundred five. Uh, but but I threw a, I've, I've kind of exposed a lot of the, uh, more than I wanted to be on this card because I, I did more straight plays than anything. Uh, but I added Max Holloway uh, through a half unit um, at plus one hundred. Uh, I, I just want to I, I could have put through more sure. I, I honestly just want I don't want to put too much in this fight. I just want to enjoy it. Um. So, yeah, I got Max Holloway. Um, all right. Recap of the picks from bottom to top. I got Chad LaPreeze over Diego Lima. I got Brad Katona over Matthew Lopez. Or, no, I got Matthew Lopez, sorry, over Brad Katona. Uh, Alexander Rakic over Devin Clark. Gilbert Burns over Alvin Mercier. Eric Anders over Elias Theodoru. Wow, fourth dog pick if you're keeping track at home. Jessica I, I know. Blasphemy over Caitlin Chukagian. Claudia Gadelli over Nina Ansaroff. Jimmy Manawa over Tiago Santos. Hakeem Duodu over Kyle Bokniak. Gunnar Nelson over Cowboy Oliveira. Valentina Shevchenko over Yanni and Jacek. And Max Holloway over Brian Ortega. Uh, plays. Parlay pieces I played with was Chad Laprise, Claudia Gadelia, Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, I Chukagian over Super Chalky. I know. Uh, Santos Manawa. Won't see round three, uh, minus 295, minus 280, which I think it's minus 290 now. Um, Gunnar Nelson, Alex Oliveira won't go the distance. Um, as well as Ray Kick and Fajeda inside the distance, which are, my, are my, actually my straight-up props. I took uh, Fajeda inside the distance, minus 140, two units. Ray Kick inside the distance, minus 145, two units. Those are my... For real chalk chalk plays, the the parlay pieces again. Disclaimer: parlaying is a man man sport. Much less five or seven pieces to fuck. I just did to fuck around. I really put barely anything on that, folks. Don't jump off that cliff with me. But feel free to use the pieces in your own plays. That's all. But that said, I did go heavy with those chalk prop plays. Straight plays again. Since I picked a lot of dogs, why not play them? I added Holloway. For the uh, plus 100 at 5 units. I played Manawa at 1 unit. Plus 165. Burns at 1 unit. Plus 100. Lopez plus 160 at half a unit. Avoid list. Bakniak Dewodu. Nelson Oliveira. Unless your playing fight doesn't go the distance of course. And Anders Theodoru. Though good luck to you if you're playing Anders. And hell I may sprinkle on Anders at the end of the day. If that dog money keeps riding. Alright, thank you guys for your Amazon's five-star ratings and reviews. Please uh, add to those if you haven't already. It really helps this here little ship uh, that could. I still haven't gotten my analytics together. And it's funny, I keep like listening to people like saying, like, oh, I listen to your podcast. And it's funny, I'm always so genuinely surprised that anybody listens to my podcast. I'm like, why the hell would you listen to it? And then I get scared because I'm like, people listen to this shit? Oh, God, it scares me. Um, as much as it scares me, thank you for listening. Please give those. Uh, Amazon, thank you guys for clicking through. I'm just going to read a couple of these. We'll get to more uh, from the uh, Black Friday. Those of you that click through, the banners are still up. They're good all year. Christmas is around the corner. So please, 
If you are shopping through Amazon or on it for loved ones and you don't use a click-through, all you have to do is go to MixedMarshallAnalyst.com where some of you are maybe listening to this because the podcast is only available on iTunes or the smartphone friendlies on MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. Go there. There's banners on the side. You just toggle to the left or toggle to the right uh, if if you're on your smartphone and you will see Amazon and on it banners. You, all it is is one click, one click to the website, one click to the banners, and then you're on the site you wanted to get to in the first place. Nothing fishy, no information is passed or changed, no extra charges added to you, or percentage of your sales is kicked back to the podcast that you can support for free at no cost for something you were already going to do. Those of you who reached out and said you were going to do so, thank you. If you haven't already, maybe this was you. Raid Redemption 1 and 2? Excellent choice. I'm pretty sure I saw Raid Redemption 2. I just can't remember it. It's like a continuation off the same day. It's like what Halloween 2 tried to do, I think. But Raid Redemption 1 is the shit. It's like a video game where they're starting from the bottom and they're making their way to the, the boss at the top. Really awesome. Um, someone bought an Amazon Echo, which uh, I believe they call those in Liverpool. And Amazon Echo? <laughs> Sorry, that's awful. Uh, and someone bought... This is the last one I'll read because this, this one caught my eye. Enter the Ninja, which I was like, okay, this better be a martial arts film or a really intricate gay porn. It was not gay porn, so I will not be clicking through. No, I'm just kidding. But I did click on it because the cool thing is it doesn't tell me who you are, by the way, on these lists. It just gives me the item that was bought. And the cool thing is I can click on said item and uh, if I want to buy it myself. And this is actually a real movie, Enter the Ninja. It looks super cheap and B-rated and like one of those movies... You watch and you like unpack and it's terrible. By the way, I'm gonna live tweet. I wanted to live tweet Die Hard, which I may still do for the holiday holiday season. But I may actually live tweet something along those lines, whether it's like a classic martial arts movie or one that's like one that'd be good to like make fun of or something like that, like a real B-rated. If you have any ideas on what you would like Dan Tom to live tweet uh, for fun for this holiday season uh, on Christmas, uh, let me know at Dan Tom MMA. All right, on it. Uh, oatmeal protein bar, Oatmega. Those are good. I've had, I haven't bought those in a minute. Hemp protein, I gotta re up on those. Good on you. And some Virutech, vitamin C. Hey, can't go wrong there. Thank you guys for whoever bought those in the click through. Um, you don't have to reveal yourself, you're not revealed. And, and thank you guys for the support. Uh, good luck this weekend. Sorry for the late podcast. Again, I will not have a late one for you. We'll be on site in Hawaii next week, baby. It'll be fun. Have a top five episode after that. Got plenty of content coming for you. Stay tuned to Junkie. Thanks, good luck on your plays, and all and, uh, and as always, protect your neck.